0: Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to
1: Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode.
2: There is a building that is called the Forensics Unit, but that unit was also housed within the main building at different points in time. And essentially, anyone who was deemed unable to be held for trial due to their mental health, they were deemed guilty by insanity.
1: Appalachian Meat Boy, a podcast about place and perspective, but always Appalachia.
0: And don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR
1: shaping our Appalachian region. If you're an entrepreneur out there, especially in East Kentucky, check them out. Appalachian meets world. We're
0: back. It's Will and Neil. What up? Special Halloween episode. Is that why it's special, Will?
1: I won't say it's my favorite time of year, but I like Halloween. How about you?
0: I do. I do. It's definitely my wife's favorite holiday, but I will say it's not the only special reason for the episode. It's also special because you're actually in Appalachia while we while we do this podcast.
1: Yes. One of the spookier parts of Appalachia.
0: Yes. Will's in uh, Asheville uh, currently, which everybody knows is uh, spooky.
1: They have their own ghost tours here. I have not been on one. You can partake year-round, but especially on Halloween.
0: You should go on one while you're there, Will, in the spirit of Halloween. Maybe you should take some time out and uh, go on a ghost tour, see what you see what you can find. We, we talked about
1: last year, Grove Park Inn and the Pink Lady interviewed them um, about that story, but there are a lot of other spooky stories and hauntings in Asheville. Do you have any uh memories of Halloween, what you did growing up? I know you have... Before, before we get into that, I know you have the big Halloween bash
0: that you have every year. Yeah, doing a little something extra this year, Will. Woo! So every year, as you know, we uh, have a, you know, bukoos of trick-or-treaters. You know, this year we thought maybe we should do a little something different just to kind of spice things up. So we're having a haunted barn for people to go through when they come to Trick or Treat. So the neighbor, you know, has a barn that is empty that they don't really use and um we just decided to to turn it into a haunted barn and you know it would be really cool if we could bring our guests into the haunted barn, but I don't know if that's possible cuz it is really awesome to be honest. That
1: is amazing. So you try to you try to blow people up on the 4th of July. Yeah, during
0: Halloween, you just try to scare them to death. Yes, exactly. It's like you can, if you're living a town close to me, you can come on the holidays and we will help you celebrate. Fourth (laughs) of July, we will blow the sky up for you. Halloween, we will scare your wife and children. Christmas, Christmas, appetizer spread. Appetizers, and we might buy you a present. Uh, (laughs) We'll at least tell you the Christmas story. You know, I mean, Thanksgiving, I'll give you a piece of my turkey. I'm not, I'm not bashful. I like for people to have fun. Well, you got chickens. I got chickens. You can come to the petting zoo anytime. If you're nearby, stop in anytime. We'll treat right. you right. That's the way we do it in Appalachia.
1: Well, speaking of Appalachia, I, I did, I, I know this episode's a whole lot different than usual. It's a special Halloween episode. I did want to mention one little piece of Appalachian news. Cause it's kind of somewhat relevant to Halloween in Appalachia. Appalachia is big on history, big on traditions, like we always mention. but they're also big on storytelling. There's no better time for storytelling than over Halloween. So I wanted to mention a little piece of Appalachian news. The red Fox storytelling festival is today and tomorrow, October 28th and 29th in pound Virginia. That's wise, Virginia. You know, storytelling is a huge part of Appalachian heritage, and and they ha- this is the fifth annual Red Fox Storytelling Festival. They're going to be telling spooky stories for Halloween, but they also, I think, have a race. The Higher Ground from Harlan is going to put on a show, the theater troupe there. Um, they're going to have music. But more importantly, they're going to be telling those spooky stories for Halloween. So I just wanted to mention that. It's run through the day all day on Saturday. If you're near that area, check it out. It's a pretty cool event, especially over the ha- Halloween holidays, the Red Fox Storytelling Festival.
0: When you said have a race, Will, do you mean like uh, like a 5K or something? Or like they're <laughs> racing through the town from the ghost? I think it's a 5K, but if you want to dress up like a ghost, feel free. I had to figure it out there. Sorry. The tradition
1: of Halloween one of my favorite memories from Halloween growing up in Pondville. I don't think you were old enough yet, but at the downtown, you know, Pondville was walkable. So we would (laughs) trick or treat all over the town, downtown. at, At the high school, they always had a carnival, Halloween carnival. And at the carnival, they had a haunted house. So the high schoolers, I think it was the juniors and seniors, would put on the carnival. But they would also put on this haunted house. And as a kid, it was the scariest place and most dangerous place that I've ever been to. I mean, you would go through it. And beyond being scared, they would throw punches Everyone knew everyone, and so it was the juniors and seniors, and they knew you. Good possibility you could get punched or you could get hurt, but it was the most amazing thing ever when you're a kid because it was the most scariest thing ever.
0: That's one of the reasons why I decided to to do the Haunted Barn, Will. You think that I'm so much younger than you, and I mean, anybody that looks at, looks at us <laughs> assumes that I'm a lot younger, but you know you think about your childhood memories and, and and I think about that and what I want to try to create for for my children that goes into to some of my thought process um, in doing the haunted barn here so hopefully there's a kid somewhere nearby that someday will be as old as you and he'll tell the story of the haunted barn
1: that's amazing kudos yeah. kudos for that you know, I don't know if you have some of these in the Haunted Barn, but I want to mention a couple of things in regards to Appalachia and Halloween and some of the tall tales that we have. The Travel channel, channel put out a couple, see if you know any of them, the 10 Mountain Monsters Found
0: Lurking in Appalachia. I tell you what, Will, I'm more likely to know these than anybody that won an Oscar this year.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, I know that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, I I want to see if you have any of these in the Haunted Barn. The Wampus Beast. Have you ever heard of the Wampus Beast?
0: I have. I do not have a Wampus Beast, though, in the Haunted Barn. We do have this ugly-looking creature that lays on the ground, like, underneath a door, that when you walk by, it's motion-censored, and it comes on and starts crawling at you.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I can't wait for a little kid to be scared by that. Me either. <laughs> I'm not even gonna be there.
2: <laughs> so the
1: Wampus Wampus Beast is uh was found in Pleasants County, West Virginia, but it's a black feline. You know the Wampus Beast. So the next one, the Wolf Man. Mm, I don't think I've heard of the Wolf Man. I mean, generically I've heard of the Wolfman, but I guess this is specific to Wolf County, Kentucky. It's believed to weigh in at about 500 pounds and stand taller than seven feet high. Wow. The next one, you know, I know, everyone knows Bigfoot.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do I know Bigfoot? Huh. Pretty sure I met him one night. I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) You know, people see Bigfoot everywhere. They see it out west. But it's been believed to be the haven in Appalachia.
0: There's another
1: one, Mothman.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, we know the Mothman. If you ever listen to this podcast, you can go back and hear our episode last year on the Mothman.
1: Mothman's a good one. Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Another one is the smoke wolf. Smoke wolf. I don't know the smoke wolf. It's a massive canine with eyes as red as the sun. That one person says that they they hear the screams of the smoke wolf on his property and describes him as pure evil, noting that they kill for fun. Yeah, I (laughs) I don't think I'd mess with the smoke wolf. I don't really know what it is. Uh, Another one that we heard last year, the Grafton monster. Again, in Grafton, West Virginia, there's the Raven Mocker, the Silver Giant, the Cherokee Death Cat, and the Grims. I've never heard of any of them.
0: Mm, No, the Death Cat, (laughs) Um, I'm not sure about that one. Cat like beast. It's said to look
1: like a lion and measures approximately four feet tall with shoulders nine feet long. Apparently an old Cherokee tail. Wow. So those are All those right. are just the t- 10 I saw on the Travel Channel. But something I really wanted to get into, another list that I saw, the spookiest places, which is relevant to our episode tonight, the spookiest places in Appalachia. I want to know if you know about these or have ever been to any of these. So the first one is it's actually on the skirts of Appalachia, Burkittsville, Maryland. Okay. So it's on the it's on the outskirts of Appalachia, but it's the Blair Witch. You know the Blair Witch, right? The Blair Witch Project.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I know that one.
1: So after that movie came out in 1999, people flooded this town of Burkittsville, Maryland, to go in the woods where this was created. The thing about it is, it's not even a true story. It's all fictional. <laughs> but people still go to Burkittsville, Maryland to check out where the Blair Witch came from another one in the great smoky mountains i would never heard of have you ever heard of the ghost town village uh no where Me is either. that it's in maggie valley north carolina it's actually an old abandoned amusement park so it ran in it was an amusement park from 60 from 1961 to the 80s it shut down in 2002 and it's sat vacant for i guess the last 20 years no one is resurrected They have a, a, it's a big roller coaster in the sky. I think it sits like 4,600 feet in, in the sky in the Great Smoky Mountains, and it's just abandoned. Apparently, it's like this spooky place now. Seems like we should know that one, but I don't. <laughs> I know, right? I never heard yeah. of it. Another one is the Eternal Inferno, Centralia, Pennsylvania. You ever heard of that? No, no
0: an old, never.
1: An old coal mine caught fire. I guess 60 years ago. And ever since, ever since that time, it's been burning underground for the last 60 years. Another one, yeah. the ghost lights on Brown mountain. It's in Burke County, North Carolina. Have you ever heard of those? No. Where's it so It's at? in Burke County, North Carolina. Apparently for generations, you've been able to see these, these lights in the wilderness. No one knows where they came come from. The Cherokee, say that it's spirits of women searching for their loved ones that they lost in battle. And this dates back thousands of years ago. It's well before the industrial revolution, people have been seeing these lights and you can go and see them and no one knows where they come from. Kind of crazy.
0: Yes. Very. A couple more.
1: And then I want to get into the one that we're actually going to talk about tonight. A couple more in the Grove Park Inn, the pink lady, the bell witch in Adams, Tennessee, the June Tolliver House in Big Stone Gap, Virginia, um, just another some of the spooky places in Appalachia. But I think maybe the number one spookiest place, and it's on a lot of lists, not just the Appalachia list. It's the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in Weston, West Virginia.
0: Yes, Will, I have heard of that, and would you like to know why I've heard of it? I would. Well, Will, I did some research because I think it would be a really cool place to go. So I thought it'd be awesome if we had somebody from there to talk to. That
1: is a good idea because that's just what we're doing tonight. Ah, that's, what I, that's where I thought
0: you were going. I can't wait to hear about this place.
1: I know. Right. Uh, just a little bit of history. So Dorothea Dix actually she was committed to improving the treatment of the mentally ill through her work the first asylum got built in the state of new jersey this is the second state sponsored mental asylum ever built in the us it was built in western west western west virginia and is is the second largest handstone building in the world behind the kremlin massive building on Get this, six
0: hundred and sixty-six acres. Wow! So you it's got six. There's, there's that much land, and and just what kind of trouble do you have to go through to make sure that your lot is that size? Yeah.
1: Well, I, I have no idea. I got questions, though. I mean, I got oh. a multitude of questions. I want to hear the history. You know, you can go and spend the night in this in this place that's been abandoned for years. They do have a haunted house on Halloween if you want to check it out. But you think you could You think you think could do it? You think you could spend the night?
0: I was getting ready to ask you the same. There's absolutely zero chance of me staying all night in that place. <laughs> I mean, anybody that looks at it online and says, I'm staying the night there, you're nuts. You know,
1: I don't think well, – well, we'll ask. I don't think you could stay by yourself. If I had to stay by myself, I do not think I could do it. How I, many I, hours I, do
0: you think you can make it by yourself?
1: By myself?
0: Yeah.
1: Probably about an hour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Place is
1: spooky, man. <laughs> it's massive too. It uh is. just I want to hear about what okay. went on there, what what paranormal activity goes on there. I, I can't wait to get into it just to hear.
0: Yeah, come on. We we've got our we've got our uh, listeners intrigued. Let's do it. Let's 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 get going. All right, let's get it. All right, on the special
1: Halloween episode tonight, we have Bethany Cutright, a longtime Appalachian. She's with the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in Weston, West Virginia. It was formerly known as the Western State Hospital and was constructed between 1858 and 1881 and first housed patients in 1864. It's the largest hand-cut stone building in North America. And the second largest in the world behind the Kremlin. At its peak, it held 2,400 patients in the 1950s before it closed in 1994 and has been one of the most haunting places in all of West Virginia, if not all of Appalachia. Condé Nast even lists it as one of the most haunting places in America. So Bethany, we want to thank you for being on the show. We appreciate you uh, taking the time.
2: Oh, I'm, I'm glad to be here to talk about it.
1: I guess just let the listeners know, you know, just what is the background of the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum?
2: Well, when it opened, it was one of many state hospitals across the country. The understanding of mental illness and the people who, who lived every day with it was so much more restricted than it is now. It was essentially what we knew to do to help people back then. So these massive institutions were built, people with every range of mental illness and sometimes not even mental illness, sometimes it was physical illness that was just not understood, were sent to these places to live. In the early years it was truly noble goals. Our building was built on the Kirkbride plan and there were several in Appalachia. Um, Now I believe there's only a few remaining and we're one of the few in the Appalachian region that still stands. Um, And the Kirkbride plan basically was that the building itself was part of the cure. Uh, Dr. Kirkbride believed that the long rambling wards provided for a tremendous amount of sunshine and fresh air. That was important to the healing. The grounds were to be well kept with flowers and gardens and greenhouses. Having a self-sustaining farm was part of the Kirkbride plan. It was part of the goal to give the patients jobs if they were able. And if they weren't able to hold jobs, like on the farm or with the, the sewing and different things, they would at least have plenty of activities to do. A mind was not able to be bored, basically. They would be able to focus on healing. Now we know a lot of that can help someone, but it's obviously not going to be a cure. But that's why these buildings were built like that. It did serve, I guess, about 130 years for treating all ranges of mental illness. And once it closed, it it basically sat empty until it was purchased by a private party.
1: And, And that was in 2007?
2: Yeah, it was August of 2007. And he went to the courthouse steps and there was just a few people there to bid. And he walked away the proud owner of a National Historic Landmark and over 300 acres.
1: Wow, so yeah, I was just gonna ask that. So I mentioned how big the building was, but it sits on 300 acres, right?
2: Yeah, and that's just a part of the original farmland. The other half of the farm is actually the home to the current mental health facility, William Sharp Hospital. So it's just over the hill from us.
1: And so in this time period, I guess it has committed or or had thousands of patients of which some died within the hospital, Um, but it also housed the, the criminally insane
0: as well.
2: That is correct. There is a building on site that is called the forensics unit but that unit was also housed within the main building at different points in time and essentially anyone who was deemed unable to be held for trial due to their mental health they were deemed guilty by insanity they didn't want to house them with general population if they could get you know if they didn't have to so that's how those units were originally developed in more recent history if you go through and we'll read some court cases there was a lot of people who were sent to Weston while they were undergoing psychiatric evaluation, so before they would go to trial. So that's kind of interesting to stumble across those case notes from time to time.
1: With the long history, obviously with the history of mental illness, there were certain types of treatment that that aren't lawful anymore, but I imagine there were lobotomies, shock therapies that were performed within within the hospital.
2: Um, absolutely. and. With its long history, it saw pretty much the entire evolution of mental health care that have gotten us to where we are today. When it first opened in 1864, there weren't medications. We actually went to the state archives and were going through historic receipts and expenses. So it's basically like what today we would send to the accountant at the state archives. And it's like where they were buying barrels of whiskey because it was something that they could use as a treatment if necessary. I really believe that even the things we see is so barbaric by today's standards. They were just looking for ways to help with the resources they had.
1: Right. You, you know, I, m- I mentioned it being such a haunting place. It's a massive place, but also, you know, with the history, you, you know, the, the building, the grounds have been a focus on several TV shows, but have there been documented sightings of paranormal activity at the site?
2: Absolutely. Um, I actually started my first job when I came on board the asylum was as a ghost hunt tour guide. So I, I studied Appalachian history, folklore, museum archiving in college, so this Very was cool. like a job. finally get to use it, and <laughs> I was especially drawn to like learning the history and the stories to share with guests. And I, it didn't take long for me to have a few encounters that I couldn't quite explain. Really? Absolutely, and I think just about anybody who works there or has worked there would probably say about the same thing.
1: Is there one in particular?
2: Most of my experiences have been unexplained sounds and voices. Many years ago, before we had museum rooms down in Ward A, that's where the breaker boxes were. We are getting ready to open for the day for historic tours, and there was just two of us there at the time, and none of the lights in the main hallway would come on. And our tour manager at the time had actually worked there when it was opened, And so she was a little older. I didn't want to make her walk all the way down there. I said, well, I'll go flip the breakers. So I walk down and I go into the room and I flip them all. And I talk to myself because I just always do. <laughs> and I said, I wonder if that worked. And right behind me, nope.
0: No way. So I turned
2: around. There's Sue's not there. So I walk back out into the hallway of the ward. No one's there. And I go back to the tour office and there sits Sue. I said, well, I guess it didn't work. She goes, no, it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> well, I guess they were right.
1: Oh gosh. Have you, I know you have ghost tours. You have historic tours and we want to get into that. But have you ever personally spent a night at the hospital?
2: Uh, yeah, I used to do it all the time. Not sleeping. Our ghost hunts and overnight hunts are not, for sleeping, you stay up the whole night and investigate. So it's it's not like a we don't have a bed and breakfast. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, let, let's talk about the tours then. What exactly do you have for guests um, that want to come to the asylum and, and check it out? I mentioned the historic tours, but the ghost tours. But what what exactly does that consist of?
2: For anyone who's interested in the paranormal. They can come and do a daytime paranormal tour that's a walk-in tour and you'll hear all the most exciting stories that relate to the ghost and the unexplained. And that's an easy $35 uh, 90-minute tour. If you want to come at night, uh, we have the two-hour paranormal tour. So then you get to go through and hear those stories in the dark. And for someone who really wants to immerse themselves in the possibilities of paranormal, the overnight ghost hunt is the way to go. And that's overnight eight hours of investigating. So we will split up everybody into smaller groups of 10. Everyone has an experienced paranormal investigator to lead them through. So like one group will start on the first floor. You'll go through, hear some of the stories, a little bit of the information that pertains to that area and then you're free to explore that floor with you or your team until a designated time then you rotate so each group gets a chance to explore each floor with a smaller group so that way you don't have contamination of a lot of people interfering with your evidence.
1: I think if you're going to do it you have to do it overnight I think that's the only way to go.
2: It's definitely something that (laughs) is an experience you won't forget.
1: So you can do it self-guided then.
2: Well, it's it's not really self-guided. The ghost hunt you have the most freedom, if that makes sense. Okay. There are still there is still a designated guide for each group. And that and that's really a safety precaution as well, because it's a really old building and we do want to make sure that everyone has a safe experience, or else they don't want to come back.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, are there any specific stories of ex-patients or stories of sightings that the the asylum has over the years?
2: Well, one interesting thing that has come up, because I also, the historic side of things is still very important to me. So I help with the research as much as I can. And a lot of our investigators would come to us and say that they were making contact with a woman named Jane. in This one area of the hospital, and it was unrelated groups of investigators coming back with the same name in the same area sure enough a couple years later we're doing some research and there is a detailed account of a patient in that area named jane who had unfortunately taken her own life and it was just instant goosebumps cold chills you're like oh my gosh that was jane that was this jane she was trying to reach out so is it a coincidence maybe but when you can tie historic events or people that really happened yeah. to some of these things people are coming back to, it's, it's absolutely amazing.
1: That is wild. The building itself or the asylum, it's been focused on shows like Ghost Hunters and things like that. Is that correct?
2: Yes, that's correct. Um, I've honestly lost count of how many different uh, paranormal investigating TV shows have come. So that's always neat when they come.
1: I know we talked about this earlier, but it was a major economic driver for the community before it closed. Is that correct? It employed quite a quite a bit of people.
2: It really was. When it when construction began in 1858, Weston was not even a part of West Virginia. It was still part of Virginia at that point. West Virginia didn't exist. Interesting. And Weston was not. I mean, it's not a huge, booming, town right now, but it was pretty rural. So. Bringing the hospital there was bringing in a lot of jobs, a lot of traffic, and it also sits right on the Staunton to Parkersburg Turnpike, which was a huge people mover during the Civil War. So it brought people to Weston, kept people in Weston, and then right up until it closed in 1994, one of the largest employers in Lewis County next to the glass industry.
1: When it was bought in 2007, After it sat vacant for so long, there was probably a large amount of preservation that had to be
0: done on the building.
2: The building suffered tremendously in those years of neglect. Um, Nobody really wanted the building, unfortunately. I think the state tried, they offered it to the city of Weston for a dollar. I'm not sure if that's factual, but that's kind of Lewis County urban legend. (laughs) It was such a massive undertaking that it was intimidating. And the longer it sat, the more of a project it became. So once it was purchased privately, the first steps were secure the roof, go through secure the, the facility in general just to keep people out because it had become quite a, a spot for mischievous teens to break into urban explorers even local law enforcement convinced security that they had permission to do tactical maneuvers inside and had an epic paintball battle, unfortunately. <laughs> so there's there's still signs of that that have, you know, we've been cleaning up slowly as the years go by. Um, some buildings could not be saved. The cafeteria building had to be demolished that connected to the main building.
1: Going back to the tours, are there specific buildings that are only operational for the tours?
2: Well, our the former tuberculosis unit that also housed other demographics of patients through the years currently is only available for our haunted house, um, that way, props and the scares and all of the fake spooky stuff all stays in one contained building. and He works on that all year round to really ensure a truly terrifying experience for that. The main building, we do the ghost hunts, the historic tours. We have an absolutely amazing museum area that has been all these years in the making with our research. It takes you a little bit deeper into all the stuff you learn on tour. There's so many buildings. The medical building basically served as the hospital for the hospital. So if you were a patient and you needed your appendix taken out, they would take you to the medical center building. You would have your surgery and recover before you went back to your room. Briefly mentioned earlier, I think the forensics unit Mm. that was built to be inescapable wasn't true. You can learn about that on the criminally insane tour if you like to take that one, women's auxiliary building we've recently op- opened it up for flashlight tours it's a very old building it also suffered a lot of damage but it's probably one of the dirtiest structurally if that makes sense so a lot of the windows came out but the walls are unbelievably stable so we put a lot of years into cleaning that up and making it available for exploration as well
1: that's great and it's a national historic landmark
2: it absolutely is can't remember the exact year it went on the registry. I want to say 1995. It's an absolutely beautiful building. The architecture is amazing. I don't know, sometimes I will go outside and sit by the fountain and just look at it. When you're there every day, you kind of take advantage, you know, take for granted how big it is until you step back and look at it and you're like, wow, it, it really is something.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you can combine the two words, but I imagine beautifully haunting buildings.
2: I think that's perfect. Yes.
1: <laughs> what do you have to when you when you do the tours? When you do the overnight, do you have to sign a waiver?
2: Um, any guest does have to sign a waiver of liability when they visit.
1: And do you want to let our listeners know just where they can find, uh, whether it be online or in person, where they can find the uh, the asylum and um, how they can access the tours and, and where they can find information?
2: Absolutely. A great resource for information about visiting the asylum would be our website, and that's www.TALAWV.com. Or if you're passing through West Virginia on I-79, we're only three miles off of the interstate at exit 99. It's a good place to get out and stretch your legs and just take in the beauty, if nothing else. Um, You can stop in and see us. We're open six days a week for walk-in tours starting in April and running through the middle of November.
0: Nice. And um, you
1: you mentioned earlier the Haunted House. So how long does that run? Obviously, this is a perfect time to visit Haunted House, but how long does that run and when can people go and check that out?
2: This year, our Haunted House closes on October 30th. Um, Those tours run Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we start selling tickets at 6 p.m and start taking people through as soon as it gets dark.
1: And how long is the haunted house? Like how long does it take to go through it?
2: Depends on how fast you move when you're scared, but usually <laughs> about 30.
1: That is fantastic. We, we uh, you know, we appreciate your time obviously, but is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know about the asylum or what they can do?
2: Basically every tour we, we give, every special event we hold, All those dollars are going back into the preservation and restoration of the building. It's truly a preservation through tourism venture that we're doing. And we've welcomed people from every state in the United States just about every year we've been open. I think we've had visitors from over 25 different countries. Wow. And being able to share, be it the history or the possibilities of paranormal with those people is is the true focus of what we're doing. So I hope more people can stop and learn a little bit.
1: Not only, obviously, a beautiful building, some paranormal activity, but it's a great asset for the community uh, in, in and of itself in Weston.
2: It is. We are centrally located in the town of Weston. So anytime we can have a community open event, like our Fall Fest, that's family friendly with vendors and activities and different things to do, uh, we have an Easter egg hunt every year. I think we did 10,000 eggs last year on our massive front lawn. But the hospital was an important part in the community when it was open, too. So carrying that on is important to us as well.
1: Fantastic. Again, thank you so much. I, I want to I ask you one last question. What are you going to be for Halloween?
2: Well, my husband and I were just discussing this, and we're not sure yet. I think last year we were the purple team from Dodgeball. Nice. Nice for that napoleon dynamite and deb so we're going to try to do something fun
1: nice nice well we'll have to get you back on and and find out what you're going to be but again thank you so much for the time for talking about this facility for talking about the paranormal activity and just the sheer hauntingness thank
2: you for showing an interest in it and i hope you can visit soon
1: (laughs) neil are you kidding me hearing voices I I I don't even know if I could spend an hour now.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't make it 15 minutes, Will, by myself in that place. (laughs) I'm just going to be honest. (laughs) The history there is really
1: interesting. I mean, what they actually did in regards to the mentally ill and and the advocacy for that at that time period, is pretty amazing. But, you know, what it's turned into is really – a haunting and chilling, beautifully haunting place in Appalachia.
0: It's quite the scene, but uh, it's a scene that I don't want to be a part of. <laughs> so, what um, about the
1: haunted house? Would you go through the haunted house? I mean, you have your own haunted house.
0: I know. I don't even know if I'd go through the haunted house, Will. I don't know if you noticed or not, but I was pretty silent there in this episode. Um <laughs> yeah. i was freaked out man so you the person who
1: has the halloween bash every year not only that but has his own so you're telling me as long as you're in control of the haunted house then you can manage it but if it's someone else's you can't go through it
0: man it's a whole lot easier to scare people than be scared (laughs) right i mean Give that. you that. When you're the source, you like it's it's a little easier. But when you're on the other side of that, it's just, I don't know, man. Something kind of weird. And the history of that place, like, man, I ain't never going, Will. <laughs> yep, I said it. I ain't never. Well,
1: I just thought it was a cool episode, a cool to hear about the place um that is considered on a lot of lists. I mentioned, you know, we mentioned during the episode that It was in the top scariest places in Condé Nast magazine. You know, it's one of the scariest places in the U.S. And just to have it in our backyard here in Appalachia. Again, you know, the history behind it. Dorothea Hicks did a lot of amazing work for the mentally ill in her time. She actually, because of all the work she did, got committed to the first one built herself in her later (laughs) years of life because of all the you know work that she did with the mentally ill took a toll on her
0: for those of you that can't make it to the haunted barn at my house maybe head over to this place if you really want to freak yourself out but you'll be going without me if you want to check it out it's open for walk-in tours you know go over anytime check it out don't ask me to go with you. <laughs> <laughs> we got, I think you made that
1: pretty clear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you guys are brave enough to, to encounter it or any of our listeners have ever been, jump online, tell us, uh, tell us about your experience. I would like to hear that.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I would definitely like to hear that. So Neil, I always love our Halloween episodes, hearing about the stories of an Appalachia, the tall tales of Appalachia, but Good luck with your haunted barn.
0: Yeah, I'll report back. Uh, it should be a success. Looking forward to it. So
1: Let us know next week.
0: Yes, certainly will.
1: All right, for all you all out there, happy Halloween. Be safe. I guess we can end it like <laughs> we usually do. Till next time. Peace.